in this time of the word that your will be done in Jesus' name. Y'all let Brother Benny know you love having him here. Amen. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Amen. I know we've had lots of time of reflection and intercession and prayer. Just one more time, just close your eyes and just love on Jesus and tell him that you love him. Lord, we just love you. Holy Spirit, we just continue to welcome you into this place tonight. Lord, this is your service. You have free reign to do whatever it is that you want to do. Lord, I thank you in advance for every breakthrough, every healing, every deliverance, every sign, every wonder. Thank you for every miracle, Lord Jesus. I thank you for every life changed. I thank you for every seed planted. Lord, I thank you that these lips be able to eloquently, adequately deliver the word of God that you've placed inside of my heart for these people. Lord, I ask that these words be your words. And we thank you for it, and we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe it, go ahead and say amen. 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 All right. Well, listen, I'm so happy to be here. My, my, I was talking to my wife just a few minutes ago before I came in, and she said, are you excited to be there? And I said, of course, I'm always excited to be here with my uh, River family. Amen. amen. And I just love you guys and honor you so much. I was trying to think, Pastor, how long I've been coming here. But it's more than 10 years. I just don't remember 2011. I, I thought that was about right. So, so uh, 12 years, you know. Um, in the 12 years, it is, it's hard to imagine that I have been uh, seven years full-time on the road now. And I was thinking about that journey, that process, and uh, the transition from pastoring to full-time traveling minister. I don't really consider myself an evangelist. Simply because uh, that's just, you know, I, I, we see a lot of people one to Jesus and we do evangelism, but my gifts are more prophetic, apostolic. And, um, but with that being the case, uh, I call myself a traveling minister because that's what I do. I travel and minister. But, um, man, the, the transition that we've made and the people that we've seen touched. Um, most of you know, I know so many of you follow us on Facebook and we appreciate that so much. But, um, we, we uh, have had some amazing meetings this year, and you're part of that. We thank you so much. Churches just like this are doing, listen, you have no idea. Pastor, you know, I go to churches. Uh, there's a church I'll go to in just a few weeks in a, just outside New York City, just outside Manhattan. Uh, you can't see, I mean, you have to squint to see the back doors from the pulpit. You know, and then in another week, I might be in a living room somewhere. You know, I just go where the Lord sends me. But, but I say that to say that, you know, churches just like this, uh, no larger than this, uh, are the churches that have sent us around the world and helped us reach millions and millions of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I don't say this with any disrespect. It's not big churches that do that. His church is just like this, Pastor. This is, uh, I really believe this is the heartbeat of God, and this is the heartbeat of the kingdom of God. Settings just like this, people just like you. So just want you to know that Jesus loves you, and you're doing some awesome things. Just real quick, thank you so much for your giving tonight. Uh, you, you may never go to Uganda, but you have sent me. 
You've never, maybe you'll never go to Mexico, uh, to Monterey or Victoria, but you've sent me. Um, right now, we're preparing our next trip for Uganda. It looks like um, late winter, early spring. Uh, just sometime in the spring, for sure. Uh, we always watch the plane tickets. So it uh, depends on, you know, the plane tickets when we can go. And we just adjust our schedule a little bit. And then we, uh, uh, we had an amazing time in Monterey, Mexico. And uh, this year we're going to go back and we're working on Rwanda and Victoria, Mexico all at the same time. When we go into, when we, when we get into Jinja, we are only a one-hour flight from Rwanda. So we want to go in there just at least for a day and we've got places. So a day can be very productive in the nations. So how it works there, it's not like here. How it works there is we go in, we will start at 10 o'clock in the morning and we will preach until nighttime. We'll preach until the light's gone. So uh, this year, I, it was just me and another minister that went, and we would he would preach, I would preach, he would preach, and we would do that three or four times a day. And then we would go to TV stations and radio stations at night and preach. So, man, it's a full schedule, so we did that in Uganda for over two weeks, uh, three weeks of traveling is what we did, and it was amazing. We had so many miracles that happened. Uh, just to share a couple things. We see a lot of miracles, uh, and I'm excited to share those things with you. And I'll get into a little more of that when I get into the message. But one of the awesome things that we've seen, we had a young pastor that came in. Uh, over there, they, they travel so much by motorcycle. Everybody travels by motorcycle. Um, and taxis, you, it's, it's funny, it's comical. Because you will see a whole, pastor, you'll see a whole family on a motorcycle. You'll see a mom and dad and three kids on a motorcycle. Could you imagine that? Amen. Couldn't you see you and your family just traveling down the road, Stephen, on a motorcycle? You know, I'd just be crazy, right? And, uh, but they also use them as taxis. And so they're, they're, you know, they're, they're not extremely expensive and, uh, gasoline, you know, you think of this, these people live on $600 a year. And I'm looking at gas and gasoline uh, in, in Uganda, $600 a year is what they make if they, they, they work a job like at a restaurant or at a factory or someplace like that. And I'm looking at gasoline and uh, gasoline is like $5 a gallon. So you can see why. Uh, you know, they would drive a motorcycle, and there's, you know, that's such a big business. The reason I tell you all of that, there was a young pastor that had come. He had fallen off the back of a taxi and shattered his hip. He, unbeknownst to me, we had our greatest, the, the greatest meeting maybe in my life that I've ever, that I've ever been in, I've ever had the grace to be a part of, it was in Bowenji, Uganda. We were expecting 200 people. But we had multitudes show up. I understand when Jesus talked about multitudes in the Bible. We had people as far as the eye could see. Um, There were thousands. We were expecting 200. And there were thousands that show up. We were under under a canopy. It had rained. We were in a a ginger as a rainforest. And uh, this young pastor was sitting in the middle of the congregation on a mat just laying on the ground. And as I was preaching on miracles in the middle of the service, he got up. Just completely healed by the power of God. Amen. He come to the front and he testified what God did. The thing was, because he was a pastor, we're, uh, you know, we worked with a, a pastor who was uh, an apostolic uh, minister who worked with uh, 60 or 70 pastors in the region. Uh, everyone knew him. 
so everyone could tell you the legitimacy of the miracle that he had. So, man, it was just so awesome. We've seen so many of those things. Well, you're awful quiet for, for that kind of a miracle. I thought you'd at least give God a little hand clap of praise or, you know, if you can't praise God for what others, uh, how can we ever praise God for us, right? And so um, we've seen so many tumors fell off, cancers healed. Pastor Philip, our first night in Uganda through a word of knowledge, Pastor, Pastor Phillips, uh, uh, there in Jinja, Pastor Phillips' wife had cancer, and God healed her the first night. Amen. Amen. 17, uh, this, is, uh, th- this was a, a little bitty tiny building. Of course, very little electricity. Uh, we, we would have services during the day simply so we had light. During the service, Pastor, 17 people got delivered in the, just, just during the altar and prayer time. 17 now, when I say that, we're not talking American deliverances, okay? We're talking African deliverances, okay? This was, I, I mean, I, I don't film these things, but we caught one of these things on, you know, somebody was following me around with a camera, and they caught this on camera. Uh, it's, I, I wouldn't just show it to anybody, I'll just tell you that. You know, it was, it was radical, but 17 people began to manifest, and God delivered 17 people in that, that first night there in, in Jinja. Amen. God's good. So, uh, uh, so thank you so much. You're helping us do that. Uh, we had an invitation to go to Argentina. They wanted me to come to Argentina for the month of November uh, and uh, spend a month, month in November and like a week or two in December. Uh, that's time away from the road, so that's time away from... Uh, going out and minister. That's our livelihood, you know. That's, you know, that'd be very difficult for us to do. When we pastored, if we would go away for a weekend and do mission work, we would still be compensated, you know. It's not like that when uh, you're in the mission field and you're a full-time traveling minister. And, and so, uh, so the difference maker is, is our friends and partners just like you that are helping us take the gospel of Jesus around the world. 300 churches in Argentina that God's opened up. I told Judah that we could go and we could spend the rest of our lives just ministering there. You know, I don't think that's God's plan for us, but we could. So, so please keep us in your prayers. Please, please follow us. And, uh, uh, you know, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your giving, because, you know, again, being, being here for 12 years, you've sent us, and we thank you for that. Amen. That's not counting all the things that we see in America. Just real quick, just real quick praise report. Last Sunday morning, I was in just, I was Chesapeake, Virginia, just outside Virginia Beach, Virginia. We had miracles all weekend. We've been up there for two weeks. We had miracles all weekend. Uh, I, I mean, just kind of some radical stuff. In the last service, uh, it was a church service. So you understand when you're in revival, you have a revival crowd, and then you have your church crowd. You know, and those things are two very different different things. This was the church crowd. The pastor wasn't even there. They'd had sickness go through the church, and a lot of the church people were sick and weren't able to attend the revival and weren't able to come out. And on Sunday morning, the pastor had gotten sick. You know, and I remember, I, you know, I called my wife. I said, just really pray. I said, you know, the enemy has really fought this meeting, but we've had so many miracles and so many salvations. Just pray with us. At the end of the service, God gave me a word of knowledge about him wanting to heal blinded eyes. And, and this lady comes up, and I knew that God wanted to heal her. He didn't reveal to me what was going on, but he said, you know, he, you know, he told me he wanted to heal her. And I said, what's going on? And she said, that this, she said my left eye is totally blind. And, uh, you know, I knew God was going to heal her. I knew God, you know, when God tells you that, I'm, I'm as solid as that as I'm going to take a breath. 
you know, is if I go outside, it's going to be dark. When God tells me, I'm as solid on that, so I, I don't deter from that. I know God's going to do it. I don't get discouraged no matter what I see. We begin to pray. And many times, you know, it takes a minute, but for whatever reason, just like that, God opened up her eye. And I said, open up your eye. What do you see? And she looked at me and she started screaming. And she said, Brother Benny, I see, she calls me prophet. She said, prophet, I see light bursting into my eye for the first time in my life. God healed that lady. So, man, we've seen God do some awesome things. So, so just a few praise reports. Let God, let God build your faith tonight because God wants to do some great things for you. If you'll turn with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to preach to you just a little bit on the, uh, on the anointing tonight. I heard someone say uh, here within the past few months that there is a difference between oil and adrenaline. There's a difference between the anointing and adrenaline. And I think a lot of times in the church world, we really get caught up in adrenaline. We get caught up, you know, as, an, as a traveling minister... I know the new cart theology. Do you guys know the new cart theology? Do you understand that? Everybody likes the new cart. Everybody likes what's new. If you remember in the Bible, the Bible said that they put the ark on a cart. And everybody loved it, you know, when it was new. But uh, when, when we come in and we, you know, it, it becomes something that, you know, it's just familiar. You know, we be, we, it can become common to us. And we've got to be very careful not to treat that thing that is holy and anointed as just being common. And we run that risk. Because again, everybody likes what's new. Everybody likes what's mainstream, you know. Uh, if, you, if, you, uh, if you go through and start watching preaching online, you hear a lot of people preaching the same things because everybody likes what's new. They like what's mainstream, Right. Uh, I've never, I've never gone that route. I want God to speak to me. I want God to talk to me. I want to hear a right now word. Uh, what I want to deliver to you, God spoke to me in a time of prayer and seeking and fasting. It's not because I heard what I'm about to share with you is revelation. I've, uh, it, when I shared this, I'd never shared it before. I'd never heard it before. It was something God poured into me. But, but once again, everybody likes the new thing. We like what pumps us up, what gets us going, what we like that new song. You know, they're cranking out songs so fast today. You know, it's very much like the world, and we've just got to be very careful, and we've got to try the spirits and try the hearts, you know. And I am of the mind that if we have a pure heart, pure things are going to come out of us, okay? So, you know, uh, you, you know, maybe you found out something bad about somebody who wrote a song or preached a message or, or whatever the situation was, but you had a pure heart. And so because you, out of a pure heart, worship God and that minister to you, don't let the devil take that away from you, okay? Because you, out of a pure heart, uh, worship God from that. And don't let the enemy don't take the fruit of that away from you. And so we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 4. And I said a lot to bring this into focus tonight. But a lot of us, uh, uh, we're addicted to adrenaline. But we need to be addicted to the anointing. And I mean that. I am addicted to the anointing. I've got to have more of his presence. I want more of his anointing. I want, you know, when I start seeing miracles take place, I want more miracles. I want more healings. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this. I remember when I fasted and God challenged me to fast one day a week. That was it. 
And, you know, sometimes it was one meal a day or two meals a day. And then God had me fast three days. And then I fasted seven days. And then it was a 21-day fast. And then it was a 40-day fast. And then God had me do a 21-day water fast. And then it just seemed like uh, God was ever increasing the demand that He put on my life. And sometimes we think that's because God's uh, wanting to pick on us. But we're leaky vessels. And when we get anointed, we've got to get anointed and we've got to stay anointed. And that's the challenge. Is to get anointed and stay anointed. Because a lot of us, we think, now I'll be the first to say, early in my ministry, there was a price that I paid for uh, what, what God's called me to do and what God does through me. I understand that. And I did those things early in my ministry. And it's not that I have to do those things now because they were things that God required of me. And, uh, you know, you can't always give everything away. <laughs> you, every week you can't pick up and move to another part of the country. You know what I'm saying? So God will require of things of you that He'll ask you to do, but but then you take that next step. Uh, he, he He's required of us more than more often than I can tell you to give everything we've had away. I can remember times that just in the past few years, I was sitting at a conference and the Lord spoke to me and told me to empty out my ministry account every day. That's easy if it's fifty dollars, you know. But when it's thousands and tens of thousands, it's different. Uh, empty everything out from my personal accounts. And once again, that's easy when it's $10. But when it's thousands, tens of thousands, tens of tens of thousands, it's a lot different, right? But see, that's that ever-increasing. Because I want to be closer to Him. And I've learned when He spoke to me over here and I obeyed Him, this is what He did. So I've learned if I listen to Him over here, when He speaks to me, He's going to do something here. So that's why I'm so confident in the faith that I have for Him, that He's going to move for you tonight. I'm confident when we pray, mountains will be moved, cancers will die, kidney stones will be dissolved, deaf ears will be open, blinded eyes will be open, because I know when I've done this, God has done this, and when I've done this, God has done this. But so often we get to a place where we say, God, I've done so much, and what else can I give you? And that thing that we're holding back is the thing he's saying, that's really what I want. The whole time I've been trying to get you to a place where that one thing that you've withheld from me, that's the one thing that I want. And I say that tonight because I remember just uh, just again, it was uh, uh, in 2015, it was my wife's, wife's birthday's weekend. So it literally, it was October the 10th. 2015, a very important day that, that 1010 is a very important day to me. We had a glory service on 101010. On 1010, we loaded everything we owned into a U-Haul and a rider truck, moved across the country, uh, to what we thought everything was going to be different. And, you know, nothing turned out like what I thought. Uh, my son, uh, 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 I, I had to transition, and most of you know this testimony, but my son wasn't with us when we made that transition. I remember going into the sanctuary of the church, and I would cry out to God, God, I've not withheld anything from you. I've given everything that you have asked me to give. And I remember it coming to me, even my firstborn son. Now, I didn't have to do what Abraham did. I didn't have to lay him down on a stone. And, and uh, put a knife in the air, you understand? I didn't have to do what God did. 
because he loved so much that he gave his only begotten son. I didn't have to do that, but I, but I did have to walk away from my, my family. I had to walk away from everything. And I say all of that because what's in my spirit so strong is the cost might be great for what you've done. It's cost you relationships. It's cost you friends. It's cost you financially. Maybe even those that have gone into bankruptcy or it feels like financial ruin and you feel the whole time, God, I've done this and I've followed you. But I want you to know that God's going to make a way for you no matter what. Because the cost might be great, but we've got to focus on the harvest. We so often, we've got our mind on the seed, but God's got His mind on the harvest. Second Kings chapter 4, we'll start reading in verse 1. And it says, And there cried a certain woman of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And creditors are come to take unto him two bondsmen. My sons to be bondsmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, Thine handmaiden has nothing in the house, comma, save a pot of oil. And he said, Go and borrow vessels abroad of thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come to, to the house, shut the door upon thee and thy sons, and thou shalt pour into vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him, and she shut the door upon her sons and upon herself, and they brought vessels to her, and she poured them out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her sons, Bring me yet another vessel. And her sons said unto her, There is no more. And the oil stopped. The oil stayed. And then she came and told Elijah, and he said unto her, Go and sell the oil, pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children on the rest. Lord, I thank you for this word. I ask that it challenge us, change us, and cause us to be all that we've been called to be in your name. Amen. 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 So tonight I want to talk to you about the anointing. I'm passionate about the anointing because the anointing is the difference maker. The anointing is what will take a, what, what the Bible would have called a rudy little boy on the back 40 that's just a shepherd watching sheep and the most handsome young man in his family. And the oil is what will take that little boy that everybody is discredited and counted out. And when the world looks at him and sees the anointing, that's what will make him the king. That's what, what will displace the king of Israel. Saul being the ruler of all the land, one of the most powerful people in the world. But it is the anointing that was on David and no longer on Saul that made the difference. It's the anointing. It's the anointing that was on Samson when he picked up the jawbone of the donkey and he killed him a thousand Philistines in that moment. It was that anointing. We have got to seek God's anointing on our lives more than anything else. And in our process of building big churches and building, building big ministries and, and television this and internet that, and I'm not against any of those things, and station this and station that, and bigger this and bigger that, we've gone to council and we've gotten council, and we've gone to people that tell us how to decorate our sanctuaries, and they tell us to take the crosses down and don't talk about the blood, and don't, don't call it giving, call it something else. 
else. And don't call it baptism. Call it something else. And people get offended when you talk about the blood. And don't talk about this people group this way or that people group that way. And we've got to refer to them this way. And we've got to refer to, refer to people that way. And what we've done, we've taken the anointing out of the equation. And we've said if we talk this way and we walk this way and we build something that looks like this, then it'll change everything. But what we need is the anointing. I go to a church in Oklahoma City that from one corner to corner, it's one-eighth of a mile in length. One-eighth of a mile, just literally from one corner to corner, one-eighth of a mile. We build big churches. A friend of mine goes to a church in Africa, in, uh, in Nigeria. The church encompasses one mile. We've built big churches, but we've built small Christians. Because I would say somewhere between the church of Acts, where the shadow of the apostles fell on people as they walked by the early church, that was the church. That would have been, if you look at that, those 12 men uh, who turned into so much more, but those 12 men, uh, at that time we'll even call it 11 men. Those 11 men that had been with Jesus, that was the Baptist church, the Methodist church, the Catholic church, the Pentecostal church, the four square, the assembly of God, the church of God, they were all encompassed in those 11 people. Those 11 people were so powerful. We call him Doubting Thomas. Everybody refers to him as Doubting Thomas because he had a moment of being doubted. If you talk to Thomas today, he, would, he wouldn't want to be remembered for his doubt. He'd want to be remembered for when he got on a boat and uh, Bible scholars tell us he went to an island and when he got off the island, natives came and they were going to kill him and everyone on the boat. And he scooped up a handful of water and said, but if my God be God and there be no other, I'll throw the water and the water will stay. And he threw the water and it stayed in the air and the whole island got saved by the power of the Holy Ghost. The church has lost something. We've lost something. We've lost some oil somewhere along the way. Somewhere when when men of God like A.A. Allen, I I think about the oil. There were many times A.A. Allen would sit in a chair and uh, while he would pray before the service, oil would just begin to roll, just pour out of his hands. Just no reason for it, no rhyme. It would just pour out of his hands. I think of Catherine Kuhlman, and I think of how Catherine Kuhlman would walk out of the auditorium, and when she would walk through the kitchen, people would fall out under the power of God as she walked through the kitchen. People who don't even know Jesus. Right here, Mary Woodward Eddard had one of the greatest revivals she had ever had in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. The Dallas Morning Sun recorded it and recorded a woman preacher that as she preached, she threw her hand in the air and for seven days was froze into place. And people from all over came to that place and felt the presence of God. Farmers would be out farming in the field and would fall out under the power of God. And God would say, there's a tent so many miles in so many directions. And they would get up and they would walk or they'd take horseback or buggy or how they had to get there. The church has come a long way from that. Where it's become more important to get people in and out as fast as we can because if we do it fast, we can get more in and out. And uh, listen, I, I have nothing against building big churches. I'm all about that. 
But what is our motive at the end of the day? What's our motive? Because there, there is such a spirit of competition in the church, it's unreal. Such a spirit of competition amongst the ministers and churches. It's just, there, there's nothing competitive in me, you know. I just want to do what God's called me to do. I don't want to be better than anybody. I want to be my best. I want to be the best that God has for me. But the Bible says that there was a woman, and the answer to her problem was the oil. She had the answer the whole time. I don't know. Now, this was a servant. This man was a servant to Elisha. You know, Elisha poured water on the hands of Elijah, right? So we're talking a man who's been some places. He saw some stuff. He might have been there when Naaman was healed. He might have been there uh, when uh, the widow had a little bit of oil, a little bit of meal, and the miracles happened. We, we don't know all everything that happened, okay? But we do know Elisha saw some stuff. And her husband, this man, had been with Elijah. Elisha. And Elisha had seen some stuff. We don't know the time frame. We do know that there was a school of prophets. We don't know how close the two men were. Those things we don't know. But we will deduct from the time and the time. What we're seeing in the scriptures, this was probably a young man. This was probably not a man that died. I think we died. <laughs> this was probably not a man who died in his 50s or his 60s. I'm not led to believe that, that at all. I'm led to believe that this, this man died young. I'm led to believe that this man died young. Somewhere along the way, uh, we don't know if it was a heart attack. We don't know if it was a bad diet. We don't know if he was poisoned. We don't know if he was killed by thieves. We don't know his process of death. We know one day he was alive, one day he was dead. But we know there was no preparation. He had not made preparation for his family. And so uh, we know the Bible tells us that a good man leaves an inheritance for their children. That's important. In fact, we're supposed to leave an inheritance that's so great that we leave an inheritance for our children and our grandchildren. And so we don't know what the process is, but we do know that the whole time she has the answer. And she goes to the man of God and she says, man of God, I, I, they, they, they have come and, they, and they, they want this money. What do I do? And he says, what do you have in your house? And she says, I don't have anything. And then there's a comma, but. I don't have anything. She began, I don't know what the process was. I can see her as she walks in her house every day. And over here on this little side table, right next to a family Bible that's got her grandparents' wedding date written down in it, and the first birth date of her children, and great-grandparents, and all special events are right there. There was probably a little cruise of oil sitting there that she had walked by day in and day out and had given no thought to it. But on this day, all of a sudden it occurred to her there is value in the anointing. When is the church going to wake up and realize sitting over here in the darkness, there is an anointing that God's saying, if you'll take advantage of this, if you'll begin to pour this in your churches, in your homes, in your family, in your business, in every area of your life, then we can see a change in the church today. You know, I, I heard someone say they saw a vision of Jesus come into church. And there he sat with his arms folded and he just sat there quietly. And, and they, said that, they said, I went to him and said, Jesus, why don't you move here? And he says, they haven't asked me to. 
Because we, we, we depend more on a system than we do on the Lord. Oh, come on. We all do it, don't we? We get short on money. We just put it on a credit card. No one's going to help me now. I just can get quiet. If, uh, if it gets thin, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start cutting stuff out of the budget. We, we'll find, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll find a way to work it out. No, let's believe. Let's have so much faith that we start believing. God wants you blessed, but you've got to believe for blessing. You've got to step back and say, I'm believing. You know, I was talking to a young man the other day. And he said, you know, at my job, I'm about to tap out. I'm about to make as much money as I can make there. And I said, yeah, but that's the world tapping you out. That's not God tapping you out. Because God can come in and bring money in from the north, south, east, and west. God will give you opportunities that you never dreamed of. Don't discount the oil in your life. So I want to talk to you about, I I, I think I'm going to share with you, there are eight things that the oil did for her. Uh, Seven things, but but I want to, I'm going to share the highlights tonight for the sake of time. The first thing that the oil did for her was the oil stopped her crying. She was weeping. She came before the prophet of God. Man of God, you've got to help me. Tears streaming down her face. She was dirty. She was broken. She just lost her husband. She's experienced one of the largest losses of her life. And here they're coming now and they're saying, we're going to take your kids, we're going to take your family. What are we going to do? And she's broken and she's hurting. And he looks at her and doesn't say, well, none of that's going to happen. Don't worry. Be of good. He didn't speak words of faith to her. He just said, what do you have in your house? At the end of the day, I think it's going to be important what's in your house. What's in your house? You don't think what's in your house is important? Ask Achan if what was in his house was important. Because God said, don't take anything from this battle. And he took stuff he wasn't supposed to take. And God God killed him and every member of his family because of it. What's in your house is important. First thing the oil will do will stop your crying. Some of you, you've got to get in your spirit. I've cried my last tear over this situation. Some of you as a prophetic indicator right now, you ought to just wipe your eyes and you ought to just say, I'm not crying over this another day. Maybe you've got a situation that has broken you and you've spent sleepless nights. Just wipe your, wipe your tears away right now. I was, in, I was in Stanton, Kentucky preaching revival. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in prayer and I'm seeking the Lord. And... Uh, God gives me an instruction. Tells me to do something. Something big. I mean, tries my faith. He speaks to my heart and says, Benny, I want you to sow this seed. Tells me what to sow, when to sow it. It is the biggest seed of my life. And I'm sitting there and and I talk myself in and out of it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, is it my only so I'm sitting there and the Lord's telling me to do this. And I know it's the Lord, but you know, it's, it's really challenging my faith in this moment. This makes no sense. God, why would you tell me to do this? And so I resolved to it. And so, you know, as it is my way, God, I just thank you. I love you. I praise you. I'm going to do what you do. I resolve that I'm going to do this and th- there's no backing out of it. I just got to talk to my wife. <laughs> and that's where, you know, I get in trouble. 
And so the next day, I get bad news. The next day, I, I, can't, I, can't go into, you know, I can't go into detail about it. I had something come into my life, something that it broke my heart. I mean, it was one of the greatest losses of my life. It was a betrayal. It was so many things all wrapped up into one. And I, I wept over this. You know, here I am in revival. And pastor, I'm supposed to be reviving people. But I needed revive. My, my heart, it was broken. And I wept. It felt like a death. It felt like it was such a loss. It was the equivalent of someone who passed away. I've experienced that kind of loss. Of, it, of, it wasn't a person. It was, a, it was something that, that came through our life and went through our hands. And we missed it, not because of anything that we had done wrong. It just, just happened, just the course of time. And I cried over it. I wept over it. But I remember when I stood and I said, I've cried my last tear. See, there, there has to be an oil on us that lets us know it's going to be okay. And as sure as I am that I'm going to breathe, that I'm going to blink, that Pastor Scott's there when I need him, that Pastor Sandy's there when I need him, that when I walk out there, that sun's going to come up and it's going to go down as sure as anything. What God told me he would do, he would do. And I just want you to know just the mere, the fact that 24 hours before this happened, God spoke to me about a seed. Let me know the validity of what he was about to do. The magnitude of the blessing that I was getting ready to walk into. Some of you have got to realize if God is pressing you, it's not to hurt you. It's not to destroy you. It's because he has something big that's in front of you. First thing that happened was he wiped her tears. Stopped her crying. Don't cry another tear over it. Pray for an anointing for it. Sometimes you need a grace. You need a grace to walk through this. Don't let depression come in and keep you in the dark. Don't let a, let, don't let a downcast spirit come in and keep you from everything that God has for you. Uh, some of you right now, maybe you're struggling with something, but hear this. What you're crying over right now, right now your life is filled with things that one day you were praying and believing for God to put in your life. The house that you own, the car that you drive, the business you possess, the ministry that God's placed inside of you. The second one is very heavy. Be prepared. Uh, This is going to be heavy. I want you to prepare yourself. I wasn't quite prepared prepared for how deep this was going to get in my spirit. But the second thing was, I want you to take note. The creditors come, and the creditor does not say, pay me or I'm taking you to jail, does he? It's not what he says. The creditor does not come to him and say, pay me or we're going to repossess your house. It's not what they say, right? What do they say? We want the money that you owe us or we're taking your kids. I want you to think about that. The enemy is not coming for you. The enemy is coming for your kids. We're in a generation where we have got to build a wall of fire around our children. Because if we don't protect him, the world is not going to do it. I could get into a lot of things right now, but my little, you know, uh, our innocent things. I'm going sh- to share with you something I, I, I don't share. I've shared just a few times publicly. I might have a, I, there might have been a, you know, I don't, I don't even remember. I did a series on the prophetic 
back uh, back in 08 that I may have mentioned this on. But back in my in my early the early parts of my ministry, I had a visitation from an angel. And during this visit, this visitation, this angel took me into a mall. You got to know what kind of person I am, okay? You, I, I don't look for a pastor. I don't look for a devil everywhere. I don't do that. I don't look for a devil under every rock. I, I don't come into your home looking for something to tell me that that you're demonic. You know what I'm saying? Some people do that. I don't do that. That's not my way, okay? Um, so once again, with the, I believe from a heart, pure heart will come pure things. The enemy will try to bring other stuff in, but I think God's grace will help us, okay? So this is very important for, to know that's the kind of personality that I have. In this dream, this angel took me to this high place over this mall. I could take you to the mall. It's the Tippecanoe County Mall in Lafayette, Indiana, the city that I grew up in. It's a familiar place. And I stood there, and as I did, I looked down, and I saw, saw these stores. And all over these stores, there were demons everywhere. Now, once again, I don't dream like that. This is not, a, this is not you know, if somebody said, Benny, what did you dream last night? I, I wouldn't tell you that. You know, that's just not, that's not how I'm cut. And I saw these demons just in every store and every place. And what got my attention was the toy store. It wasn't, you know, Bed Bath and Beyond, Bath and Body Works, it wasn't Macy's. It was the toy store. And this angel walked me into the toy store and just pointed out we didn't have a long conversation. There were words that were said to me, but mostly it was how I say the Lord showed me some things. And he pointed. And it was like there were cubby hose everywhere. And there was a toy in front of that cubby hole. And then there was a demon that sat behind that toy. Now, you know, I'm just going to tell you, you know, you know, kids play with toys. I don't fall all out over that. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I just don't do that. I grew up in a very, I come from a very religious background. And so I don't, I don't want to be religious. I want to be, I want to be in relationship with Jesus, Okay. And so once again, I believe when we're pure and have a pure heart, God covers us and takes care of us, but there is an agenda. And so behind all of these toys, I saw this demonic influence. I saw them other places too. It wasn't just the toys. That's just what stuck out, stuck out so much to me. And um, just, just an example, you know, I, I'm not going to get into all this because I, I, I very much try to be in this the prophetic ministry God's called me in I, I try very hard to take that prophetic stand that I have to take and I try very hard to preach the good news and sometimes you just have to say things that are hard that are going to be offensive to folks and it's okay but I try to temper that with love okay and so without calling out Disney or Nickelodeon or any of those places, which I just did. <laughs> my, my granddaughter comes to me the other day, and she has this little app on her tablet. We're very protective of what they have. 
Um, the tablet that she has, she can only play with it at my house with me there. She has little apps where she, you know, she paints and little fun stuff. And she has this little house. This was, just so put it in perspective, this wasn't in the month of October or even September. This is back in the summertime. So it wouldn't have even been a time where this even would have been, you know, to where we could call it was because it was Halloween season or, or whatever, okay? So she comes to me and says, look, look, Pops, there's toys hid throughout the house. And you open up a door and there's a teddy bear. I'm like, that's great. And you open up a door and there's a kitten. And you open up a door and there's a Ouija board. This, there, there is nothing in this that has anything to do with that world at all. Just like in my dream. It was an influence that was behind it. See, listen, there is a very popular television show that that people watch that they say predicts the future. Constantly talking about future references, future references, future references. Can I tell you why? It's because the people writing that have demonic influences in their lives. And they do tell the future. Future telling is a real thing. But we have to be very careful not to let ourselves get involved in that. Now, you know, I say these things, and I know these things are very close to your pastor's heart, and I know that you have knowledge of these things. But I cannot tell you the churches that I go to that see nothing wrong with reading the stars, getting into astrology and and signs. Churches! Pastors, preachers that, that see no harm in it whatsoever. See what the thing is, they're not coming for you. They're coming for your kids. They're coming for your children. They're coming to try and find a way in to steal, kill, and destroy. To destroy your family. That's why we have kids taking razor blades to their arms. And that's why we've got drag queens coming into our schools and doing right reading sessions. And that's why they're putting litter boxes in bathrooms and saying it's just an identity change. All this nonsense is because they're not coming for you. They're coming for your kids. And the Bible says we're not coming for you. We're going to come and we're going to take your kids and we're going to put them in bondage. But the oil set them free. Not a Sunday school program. I need to be very careful what I say. Not a Sunday school curriculum. Not a Bible study. But the oil. The oil. Why don't we have people that realize it's just as important to preach to the teens as it is to preach in, in the adult service? Why don't we realize that? Why don't we realize that children's ministry is not a step down or a step up or a step to the side? It's, it's all very, very, very important. And for the record, I've done it all. And it is all just as important. Come for your kids. That's why they want abortion on demand. It's because they're coming to your ki- for your kids. They want to take your children. I, uh, I've done a lot of youth camps in my time. Not, not so much anymore, but, but ear- earlier in my ministry, I did a lot of youth camps. And I'll never forget, never forget the, the first night I remember I traveled. We, we, uh, we used to travel from Iowa to Arkansas for youth camp. It was a 13-hour drive. 
And uh, I would many times do that drive and then preach that first service that night. And I remember that first service, you know, I think we had maybe 100 kids there that night. And I preached, and I preached on the Bible, tells us the story of the man from the Gadarenes who uh, uh, cut himself. See, that's, that's not a new thing. That's been around a long time. And so I preached on that because that's very relevant today. It's, it's, it's manifested. I went to McDonald's and there was a girl. And from here to here, she had scars, a million little scars up and down her arms. You know, I've, uh, I've sat in, I've, I've stood in altars. This, this, particularly, I was with this young girl and I, and I asked her, she had a, a wound that needed stitches. A gaping wound, she needed stitches. And I said, what happened here? And I, you know, I knew. And she said, no, don't go there. So she said, don't go there. That's the only relief I get. This was in church. Closed out that service, preached that message. And we had a deliverance service and many young people came up and got delivered. This young girl comes up to me with a pack of razor blades that she brought with her to cut herself during youth camp. No iPhone, no iPod, no, no uh, iPad, no internet, no cell phone, no, no reception if they had it, but she brought razor blades. Not a television, not a DVD player anywhere. For that, we, we disconnect that whole week, but she brought razor blades. I knew the kid, church kid, deacon's kid, leadership in the church. Last kid you'd ever think of that would do that. You know, of course, I tell parents all the time, my kids, I have three kids. They're all three in church. They all three serve the Lord. To say that was easy, it wasn't. It's hard. There was not a night that my kids laid their head on their pillows that we didn't pray and do devotions. From the time my my oldest son, Stefano, was born on Friday... On Sunday, we were in church. Sunday. I was in revival in Hillsboro, Indiana. He was two days old. And then, it's hard. I, I can't tell you the nights that I sat up all night. I, I, I told you this would be heavy. This part's heavy, I know. But I can't tell you the nights that I sat up all night at the, the bedside of one of my children that I was praying over. You do not have to teach your children to look up porn on internet. They'll learn that all by themselves. You don't have to teach them how to have bad thoughts or how to lie or how to curse or how to kill people. You don't have to do any of that. They'll find those things out another way. So what we have to do is we've got to get the oil in our house. We've got to get the anointing in our house. We have to pray. We've got to cover those kids. We've got to cover our family. Men and women of God, we've got to take our godly role as leaders in the home. And we've got to stand for Jesus no matter what. It's the oil that's going to save our kids. It's the oil. That's what's going to be the difference maker. I did not have the privilege. I, 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 I know these young men are being raised. You know, Pastor, Pastor Scott and Sandy, I know you guys have these beautiful children in your home, man, and they're, they're just the best. But, you know, I know you all pray with them and you read the Bible. I didn't have that. I didn't have that. I didn't have a, I didn't have a dad and, and mom that, 
that read to me. Our, our, our family was filled with drug addicts, prostitutes, pimps, murderers, people spending life in prison. That's what our family was, was filled with. It's by grace that I'm where I am right now. It's the grace of God. I'm not saying God can't do it any other way, you know, because God can make a way. I'm just telling you, the, those young people, you have a God-fearing mom and dad, somebody in your life, grandma or grandpa that's standing with you. Man, you've got something special because I didn't have that. My, my mom came to the Lord later and uh, uh, it got saved later. And we'll talk, talk about that another time. But it's the oil that will save you. It's the oil that will save you. Let, let me move to this third thing. The oil brought revelation. The oil brought revelation. Ephesians 1.17 says, The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, uh, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and in knowledge of Him. God will give you a spirit of revelation. The oil will bring revelation. Who wants revelation? See, we, we limit revelation to what I'm doing right now, to preaching. There's so much more to revelation than just when we preach. God will give you a revelation about your kids. You, 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 maybe maybe you're running to a wall with with uh, with one of your kids and you need you don't know how to discipline them. God will give you a revelation. Maybe maybe you and your spouse are having communication issues. God will give you a revelation on communication with your spouse and you'll be able to talk properly and and work on a plan. God will give you a plan that no one else has. How many times did she walk by that oil? How many times did she walk by that little bit of that little cruise of oil and say there's no value to it? Until the moment the man of God looked at her and said, What's in your house? She said, I've got nothing. Oh, but this little bit of oil. That's all I've got. And all of a sudden the lights came on and she saw value where she never saw value before. Some of you, you're going to walk by that thing, that item, and all of a sudden there's going to be a red light that's just going to flash over it. And you're going to see the value in something that you never saw before. Can I also say somebody around you will get a revelation? Your your boss will get a revelation about you and look at you and say, Oh, I got a revelation about you. I learned something about you. You would do better at this position or that position. That's what revelation will do. And the anointing, the oil will do that for you. God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God will let you see what you've never saw before so many times I open up the Bible and I'll see something. I've read the Bible. I just finished the Bible again the other day. I don't know how many times I've read the Bible through. I went through and I read the uh, the gospel aloud, just aloud in the sanctuary of our church. You know, I would go through every day and just read the gospels aloud. A friend of ours, they had enough enough people. They had a prayer meeting, and they read the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, Pastor, out loud. All during prayer meeting in one in one in one time. Took a lot of people, there's a lot of people committed to it, and they were there all day, but they did. The word will bombard the heavens. That'll change things. God'll give you God'll give you a plan. Give you a plan that nobody else has. He'll give you a plan on, on how to walk in blessing. There's a there's a man that I know, he's actually from Orange, Texas. And uh, 
he had a, a painting contract with the government. And for years he painted. Uh, he uh, Massive contracts, millions and millions and millions of dollars in contracts. And, I, I mean, this guy, you know, is a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. And this guy comes in, and, and all of a sudden he sees that these good Christian man loves the Lord, following Jesus, serving him. He's on fire, you know. And the Lord speaks to him one day and starts telling him those contracts aren't going to be there anymore. This is, I think, back in the 80s. He says, these contracts aren't going to be there anymore. And, you know, and he's, he's saying, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do next? God began to give him a plan. And in the middle of the night, God whispered in his ear, this is very important, because you don't want to miss the whisper. God whispered in his ear, fabrication. One word, fabrication. That, that means nothing to me. Paint, I can understand that. You know, he, his dad was a painter. They did it for generations, so they built up a business. But fabrication, I don't mean anything to me. I mean, I could come up with some, some ideas of what it would be, but to him it meant something. So he went and he, he jumped on it right away. He started walking around and started going around town and found some businesses and looked at some buildings and found a building where they could start a, a fabrication place and started working and, you know, these are his words, started working in fabrication, you know. And so within five years, the painting business was gone. But his fabrication business was up and running. And now all the people that he once employed painting, he now employs fabricating. And now he hired more people than he's ever hired in his life and is more blessed than he's ever been because he listened to the whisper. God gave him a revelation. What's the revelation of what God wants to give to you? What's the one idea that God wants to speak to you that will bring blessing to your life? But you've got to listen for that whisper. When God speaks to you, maybe God will tell you, give you an instruction. This woman could have sat at home, but God put it in her heart to go to the man of God and get an instruction. She could have stayed at home. She could have been mad. She could have been sad. She could have been angry. She went and she got an instruction. What if God told you to do something? What if God told you to go somewhere? What if God told you to give up something? What if God told you? Uh, you you've heard me share this before. Uh, and I won't tell this whole story, but a few years ago, I was sitting at my desk. The Lord spoke, you know, just kind of spoke to my heart. And man, I just, I didn't know it was the Lord at the time. But the Lord spoke to my heart and I got a hankering for a Snicker bar and a Diet Pepsi. That sounds wrong, doesn't it? You know, that, there's no world that that makes sense. But that's what I wanted. And I, I get up and I go over to a little grocery store. When I go in the grocery store, I wait in line. I, I, I help buy this young girl's groceries. The cash register attendant is moved by the by power of God. She's crying. She gives her heart to Jesus because of what she says. It inspires me. And I preach to the whole room of people. <laughs> and hands go up. I think 10 people gave their heart to Jesus that day because God gave me one little plan. I heard the whisper. What's God whispering to you right now? What's he telling you to do? See, uh, used to when I was learning to hear God's voice, God would tell me to get up and go somewhere, and I'd do it. And I'd think, God, why am I here? And it meant nothing. And then other times, you know, uh, he'd tell get up and do this, or turn here, and nothing. Well, today I don't hear those things anymore, but now when he speaks to me, I hear him clearly because I obeyed him when it didn't make sense. Faith will make you look crazy until later, right? Next thing was, number four, the oil caused her to shut the door on some things. 
the anointing will cause you to close some door in your things. Maybe there's some chapters in your life that you need to close. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you went through a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one. And that door is just not being closed. The oil will help you close that door. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up with just a couple things, and then you're going to transition, okay? The oil caused her to connect with her neighbors, number five. The man of God said, I want you to go to your neighbors and borrow. He didn't say go to the store and buy. He said go to the neighbors and borrow. Now, this is important because God connected her with her neighbors. She had to go knock on the door, and she had to say, Hey, Fernando, can you help me out? I need some vessels, empty vessels. Can you help me with that? And he's like, yeah, you know. Think about this. What for? What do you need it for? Well, see, I've got this cruise of oil. And the man of God said, if I was to pour this oil, that it would supernaturally flow. And then he said, visit him again when I was all done. Well, you think about that, man. I don't know about that. Well, I'll come back and tell you how it went. And then she goes to the next neighbor, the same thing, and the next neighbor, and the next neighbor. Well, see, when she got her miracle, she could go back to those neighbors and she could say, look what God did. Look what God did. When we pastored, we took a map and we dropped a compass and we went a mile in every direction. And I I say we knocked on every door. I I don't know that we hit every door, but we made the biggest attempt possible. And if we didn't get every door, we got almost every door in a one-mile radius. Every business, we knocked on them. We left them literature about the church. We asked them to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. We did our part. We connected. That's what the oil will do. See, the oil will make you connect with other believers. See, we've got so much division. But when you've got the oil, we'll start putting some of those little things aside and say it's more important for me to connect with you than it is for me to be right. Far too often we want to be right when what God wants us to do is God wants us to connect. Maybe, you know, I, 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 went, to a, I went to this barber shop one day. And um, man, this guy, I won't tell you, he was from a particular religious background. And he was adamant. And, uh, I, of course, I told him who I was and what I did. Man, he wasn't going to let me go. He was going to convert me. And finally, I told him, you know, the guy, it made me nervous because I didn't want him to give me a bad haircut. You know what I'm saying? So that was my biggest concern that day, was leaving with a bad haircut, you know. By the time I was done, I was so mad, I wish I just got up and walked out, you know, mid-haircut and just went somewhere else. And I told the guy, I said, look, you believe what you believe, neither of us are going to influence the other one. I'm not going to convince you. You're not going to convince me. And that's okay. He believes Jesus is Lord and Savior. You know, his, you know, I believe his heart was right, but he was more interested in being right. And so, you know what his resolve was? Well, no, you're wrong. He says, you can't, you, you're wrong. I've got to convince you you're wrong. And uh, I said, well, see, I believe you're wrong, but you're never going to convince me that I'm wrong. That's just, I, I'm, I'm solid in my faith. We've got to find common ground. We've got to use wisdom. The oil, and this is the last thing I'm going to discuss, and you can't disconnect from this. And Pastor, if you've got some music, you just... We can't disconnect from this last thing. I won't say this is the most important thing, but I will say it is definitely one of the most important things, one of the most important points. He said... 
she goes back to the man of God, which is important. She goes back to him and waits for that second instruction. Are we willing to hear that second command? Are we willing to go back and hear that next piece of instruction? Because God might speak to us and say, I want you to go and go here. Well, when we get there, we think, well, I'm here. Okay, I'm here. God, now that I'm here, what do you want me to do? God will give you a piece of prophetic information. And you release that prophetic information. But maybe you just need to say, okay, God, I've done that. Now what do I do next? What's that next step? Now that I'm here. God spoke to me to go to this location one day. And when I got there, there was nobody there. And the Lord said, I want you to wait a few minutes. Just wait. And I waited. I waited a few minutes. I said, all right, Lord, what, what, what do you want me to do? I want you to wait. Just wait. And I waited in a deaf man show. And I prayed for a deaf man and God healed the deaf man because I waited. I, let, I waited for that next piece of instruction. The next thing that happened, the last thing I want to share with you tonight, is she became debt free. In one moment, she became debt free. You can't take this out of the Bible. You can't take God's blessings out of the Bible. It is, if I was to come to you and say, what's more important in a, in a, in a, in a church service, uh, an altar call or an offering, what would you say? We say a lot of things, and we can fight over that, but they're both important. We're, they're both important. Because if you don't have an offering, you don't have a church. But if you don't have an altar call, you don't have, get anybody saved. So we've not done our job. So they're both important. To argue the validity of either one of them, they're important. So what we've got to do is we've got to recognize the importance of God wanting to bless you. Because God wants to bless you. He wants to. He wants to find a way to bless you. He wants to find ways to bless you. And the Bible says that next piece of instruction was so important that he said, I want you to go and sell these, this oil and I want you to pay off your debt and then live on the rest. And who's going to live on the rest? What's the Bible say? Talk to me. Her and, and her children. God was going to bless her so much that she would pay off her debt, live on the rest, and her children would live on the rest too. This was a multi-generational blessing. See, God wants to do something in you that is so big, it goes beyond where you are right now. He wants to bring a blessing so big. See, God can't do what He wants to do in you. God wants to do something so amazing in you that the world will look at you and say, only God could. But if the church is just broke, busted, and disgusted all the time. Now, listen, hear me, hear my heart. Does the prosperity message get hinky? <laughs> we got this. And so does the healing message. So does deliverance. So does baptism. So does, you know, the, you know we get it. Anything can go wrong. It doesn't take away from the truth. So the truth is God wants you healed. Truth is He wants you saved. Truth is He wants you delivered. Truth is He wants you blessed. But you've got to believe for it. You have to believe for it. 
See, the one thing ministry has taught me anything, he's taught me how to believe for God to, be, to bless us. And I think that's one of the things I'm supposed to teach people is to believe for God to bless you. Don't let God put, don't let God put a, don't let the devil put a cap on you. Take the cap off. Like I told this young man, if maybe, maybe they've told you, well, you've capped out where you are. You can't make any more money. God will find a way to bring money to you. He'll bring blessing to you. Um, let God give you an instruction. Let God tell you to do something. Let God tell you to, to go somewhere, to do something, to do something different. Um, um, I'm going to transition just a moment, but I just want to share this with you. I was at a, I was at a church up in northwest Arkansas. The Lord spoke to me and said that, tell them that I have shaken $30,000 loose. And and tell them, but I'm shaking 300,000 years. So this church was believing for a gymnasium. They needed $30,000 to meet that budget. And somebody walked in, they told me this later, walked in and handed them one check for $30,000. They bought the gymnasium. And God just really moved exactly what they were believing. And they said, well, we don't know about the 300, but we believe it. I remember where I was. It was uh, I was down in my barn. Uh, just kind of piddling around and they called me and they tell me this story so brother Benny we've got this piece of swampland of no value old old muddy messy swampland it's low area nobody wants it there is a uh, uh, an investor that wants this land and he came in and he offered us like $225,000 and they said we remembered that word and they said no we want 300 So they offered him 250 for it. And they said, no, we want 300 for it. They gave him $300,000 for that old piece of swampland that nobody wanted. Come to find out they were wanting to put like a cul-de-sac in there. And they drained it all out. And I mean, unbelievable what they were able to do with it. But they stood on that word. See, God wants to bless you. Who's willing to let God just bless you? Who's, now, who's willing to believe for it? You've got to believe for it. I'm believing for blessing for every one of you. I'm believing for pastor. I'm believing him for the church. I believe God wants to do it. If you believe that, just slip your hand up right now. Listen, I want to pray. I want to pray, pray that God releases oil into your life. I, I, I really want to pray this over, over your church, over your, over your family, over your ministries, over your businesses. I want to believe with you for increase in every area, in every way. I want to believe with you. I want to believe for promotions, jobs, better jobs. I want to believe for witty ideas. God can give you one idea that can change everything. My dad years ago worked for Tyson Foods, and God gave him an idea. He, he built a machine for Tyson Foods that would take the breastbone out of the chicken. I, I mean, it, 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 was, it became such a blessing to him. God can give you one idea that can change everything. Today, the technology age that we have, the technology era that we're in, you are unlimited on what you can do with technology today. One idea can absolutely change everything. There was these people in our church. They had this old car. I don't remember what it, what it was. It was an old SUV. I don't remember the type of car. I just remember their testimony. But they had this old junky car. It was all rusted out. 
they were trying to sell it and they ended up remember back in the day when we put something in the paper you know and they come and look at it and and uh, they put this in the paper and nobody really hit on it until a couple from the church came to them and said you have this car and they were asking you know man bro Stephen they were asking maybe you know fifteen hundred bucks for it, it's an old piece of junk so yeah you know yeah, that's what we're asking for. It's some old SUV now. It's We're talking back like in the 60s, but this is back in the 90s. And uh, they came to them and said, these, these things are very valuable. They only made it a few of them. You might want to take this out of the paper and research the value. They researched the value out. It was worth you know, over $30,000 back in the 90s. It's just old piece of junk. They were able to sell that and God really blessed them. Just one idea. Just one idea. God can do that for you, but once again, you just got to leave for it. Now, I'm going to tell you, you have to be a tither. You got to be in covenant. Be a giver. God speaks you. God tells you to do those things are important. But, but you got to believe for it. You can't just stop and do those things. Believe for it. So go ahead and stand to your feet tonight. And let's uh, just lift your hands to the heavens and we're going to pray. just love you. Lord, I love you, Jesus. Lord, I love you. Now, Lord, as I've been obedient tonight, and I've done exactly what you told me to do, I've preached the word that you would have me preach. Lord, I know that this is an important meeting to you. And I know that you're wanting to do big things in this place. I know that you're wanting to do big things for these people. God, I know that the oil is here. I know that the anointing is here. Lord, I'm going to ask that you bring even an increase. God, make such a deposit here that it attracts people as they drive by. God, let there be such a tangible anointing on those that are here when they go to work, when they go to school, when they go about town, God, to the marketplace. God, I ask that there be something so tangible on them that it draw others to them to win souls, Lord Jesus, to, to build the kingdom. I thank you for that. And I give you glory and I give you praise. Those of you who could, if you've got that heavenly language, just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Lord, I love you. He on the robo Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Lord, I love you, Lord. I love you.